0: Crosby, and welcome to episode fifty-two. Sean Whip back again. This is a results-driven episode of Down the Track, and we're going to talk all things Zatapec High Velocity Club Country Championships. Sean, welcome.
1: Tim, good to be back after what was—it uh, was just so exciting to have a have a sort of a big mate, you know, something to look forward to in every single race.
0: And look, and that's across the board because throw you throw back to the weekend as well. High velocity club, some great great racing there. Uh, I was a country champion yeah, for yeah. two days. No, awesome not, event. Not, you know. to,
1: yeah, not, not to knock any of those events. I mean, I guess in terms of that that national meet schedule that we're that we're used to, you know, this this was probably the first time where some some real uh, sheep stations were were on for, for young and old.
0: Yeah, certainly were. And the atmosphere at Box Hill, as we would expect, was great last night. Huge crowd involvement, but unfortunately not a huge crowd because of COVID restrictions. Apparently, uh, hottest tickets in Melbourne uh, this week was Adipec tickets. Uh, people were, were um, bleeding to get them, and uh, it was good to see a, a good, informed crowd uh, in the stands at Box Hill, which, honestly, it is just such an awesome place to conduct that meet, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's just that. That venue, that especially for the distance crowd, they're all very keen to attend, and, and you know it's a venue that suits everyone's needs um, really, really well. Especially when you're trying to run fast in that in those sets of, of distance events.
0: Yeah, look, in conditions you wouldn't say were perfect, but uh, some of the results. Defied the breezes and the cooler temperatures, and obviously for the uh, the ten thousands, those cooler temperatures were nice and they were welcomed. I was a little bit skeptical about the earlier start and the earlier, you know, running the the ten k's mm. in daylight. I thought, you know, it's really nice to do the uh, the night time, but uh, one of the you know a, a huge issue at Box Hill is the lighting, um, and uh, that was one of the reasons why they went a bit earlier so we can do broad, good broadcast and also, uh, you know, good for photo finish and all those sort of things. And it worked because you know we didn't have. the... The heat, wave, the heat wave had broken by Tuesday. It was actually, yeah, you know, quite pleasant. Absolutely. And the sun came out at one stage and it was actually really nice. It was it was quite warm. I was in a t-shirt most of the night, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was um it, it was just interesting to see. You know, we, we managed to dodge both of those weather concerns in, in both the hot weather and or the rain. Um so re- really stoked with, I guess, you know, managed to organise that
0: for around. <laughs> All right, well, let's not go on too much let's get into the detail and as I said there's no no guests there's no other voices everyone's just got to put up with your voice my voice let's look <laughs> at the the Zatapik and let's start with the hurdles and the men's look not a big field in the men's was maybe a slight area of concern there I think I have five starters maybe in the men's 400 hurdles but results not too bad
1: yeah I, I think we just had a we had a bit of a late withdrawal in, in Luke Major, who's, who's usually a pretty big name um, in the 400 hurdles stakes. I think he just had a little bit of an Achilles worry that he didn't want to um, didn't want to further aggravate. Um, I think he had a or...
0: few back issues as well and pulled out on the night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, warming up. But, yeah, he, he seemed to have some soreness there. Uh, but it definitely, definitely didn't let us down. I think it was cool to have... I know Fraser Simons is, yeah you know, he, he went to school down at Melbourne Grammar and, um, you know, we've seen him compete a lot in Victoria, but he, he's up studying in Queensland now. So... He made the trip down, and um, I, I think just this early in the season as well to have both Connor and, and Fraser running um, not only PBs but getting into those sort of you know low low fifty one second areas is, is really encouraging for what was you know basically five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I know the yeah got yeah, to, we've, yeah, a
0: con- yeah conditions not perfect and fifty one thirty two for Connor Fry took it very narrowly over Simon's fifty one thirty six. But as you said, Sean, both were PBs so. January early days in the season for what has been an interrupted season that is good hurdling
1: yeah and even Michael Totsos he um he's he's coming closer and closer to to sneaking under that 53 second mark as well he's 53.03 so I think um that 400 hurdles group will really support each other in turning up to you know sort of the same races and and making sure everyone has a competitive field so yeah it was an awesome way to start the night
0: yeah, the women's so though a little bit uh, I wouldn't say chalk and cheese, but we had a, a full field of eight there, and um, you know some yet again some good results. The, the two New South Wales girls were just that little bit better. They were you know we had Klein in fifty-seven zero three and Cowie in fifty-eight fifty-three, but probably maybe the breakthrough of the night in that field was Marley Wilkinson. The the um, I think she's a box hill athlete, perhaps uh, fifty-nine sixty-two. So first time under sixty be, um... seconds for Wilkinson.
1: Yeah, she might be at Melbourne Uni because um, she ran that cracking 400 out of the B heat at HVC. So I think, I think she'd come in with a, a bit of an old seed time or, you know, wasn't really sure where she was at. She ran sort of 55 point um, in the B heat, which is pretty good going. Um, and then, yeah, to, to back that up um, with such a good start to the season hurdling, um, yeah, she must be over the moon.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think Nick Wall did tip that as the one to watch. Uh, he's been watching her progress and certainly, you know, to join that sub-60 club is, is a good thing for her and, you know, to be getting close to the likes of Cowie and, you know, when, as we move towards uh, nationals and, you know, she might be someone to look out for. Uh, good to see also Larkin and Clark both get PBs, sixty one fifty three and sixty two seventy three respectively. But, you know, and even, you know, down to Paige Alvey, a late inclusion, I think, and uh, Paige had a, you know, pretty good run there at 65 four zero zero which wasn't too far off her best time so yeah, it was an entertaining race that uh, four hurdles but either the new south wales girls just attacked it early didn't they? they look strong
1: yeah yeah i think you know you've got to remember that um klein has yeah, represented australia at the world championships and and cowie um similarly has represented australia at, at the world uni um level two so yeah, really, really strong competitors at a, at a national and international level where four hurdles are concerned and, and you know, whilst the times were maybe a little bit off where they're usually at, um, I think they'd be happy to get the season back underway with again, what was a, a competitive field.
0: Exactly right. Let's move to the, the long jump. So we had the Gary Honey uh, long jump, which is the males and females, uh, both of them competing at the same time, but then they're drawn together in teams uh, to get combined results. So in the men's, Darcy Roper was the uh, the longest long jumper with a 7.96 and Matreski, Chris Matreski on a 7.72. Uh, Scary in the women's 586, then Grenard 576, Kuriaku 575. So thoughts, uh, ruminations on the on the long jump there, Sean?
1: Um, well, yes, yeah, so I guess we didn't have uh, Brooke Stratton in that she jumped at Vic Country's um, sort of uh, last weekend. So, uh, yeah, made the, the scheduling decision, I guess. Um, it worked out all right. Cause I guess a lot of the long jump community was sort of hanging out for that AC teammate as well. It's usually where they'd, they'd open things up, but, um, yeah, really exciting for a guy like Darcy, who you know, had a pretty bad hamstring injury at the start of 2019 and, and really has, um, oh, sorry, I mean, at the start of 2020, um, and has spent a lot of time rehabbing that and has obviously got a huge block in through, uh, the sort of winter of 2020, spent a bit of time up in Queensland, um, uh, sort of doing a bit of work up there with the QAS as well. And, um, yeah, look. I, I think um, other than a, a, a little scare with the uh, the some of the O H and S or some of the surrounding things you had to jump over. Um, yeah, cool way for him to start his season. Sort of, I think it was the seventh seventh biggest jump in his career. So for a guy that's looking to really regularly jump over eight meters, you know, once you start getting in that sort of slot, you're, you're pretty internationally competitive.
0: Yeah, that was um, yeah certainly a, a nice way to get started. I didn't realise that was uh, so far up his rankings or uh, his own personal achievements. So that's a really nice jump from from Darcy. Uh, yeah. He combined uh, with Melissa Foster to actually win the the Gary Honey Award. The, the two the team <laughs> that they were good together. Together, win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Melissa, she was up at countries as well. I saw her doing some sprinting up there as well, okay. and um, I don't know much about her, but uh, she she cleared or oh, she jumped five forty six, so um, was quite competitive also in the women's event there. So, so good win there to Darcy and Melissa in the uh, the Gary Honey pole vaulting. Gee, that was exciting. It's probably it got a little bit lost, I think, last night, Sean, as it can do.
1: Yeah, it, it's tricky because I know that you know in that they are such a, a fun community, the pole vault group. They sort of all. Set up shop, sort of in that in that middle bit, and um, you know you, you kind of—I know myself—you know you get a bit lost with some of the track stuff as well. Um, but looked like there were some pretty positive results out of there too.
0: Oh, very positive results. Actually, the we'll go through. Actually, I'll announce the winners of. The, it is the Steve Hawker, and it's the same concept as well. It's uh, they draw two teams and they wear colours, which is really good and it's very visual and yeah, you know, gets that little team element going. But uh, the respective, well, the winners of the team result were uh, James Woods and uh, Georgia Taylor. And the really great story about that is that both jumped or cleared. 15 centimetre personal bests on the night Jeez. so taylor went from a 370 to a 385 and woods has gone from 480 which he clearly equal pb'd um, up at Ballarat over the weekend but then he's gone to 495 um he's he's one to watch isn't
1: he yeah yeah i know i think he's from um kyabra um and um Peter Barrett um, does a does a great job coaching him, but yeah, I've, I've had him on a few state teams, and yeah, just your classic, you know, pretty pretty quiet guy, but definitely gets it together once you pop him out on the runway. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just a hard thing for Paul in that it's it's such a step up, you know, one you, you can be quite a good competitive junior, and then yeah, you, you, know, you start to approach almost that open age, and, and you've got to just keep chipping away at what a, what a pretty big PBs. You know, once you start looking at anything over five meters, yeah. You're not really mucking around, Um, but, yeah. 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 He's
0: 17, isn't he, Sean? Is he 17 still?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's quite out of under 20s just yet, but more in the sense that he's been, you know, such a competitive junior. You know, it's it's probably on his mind as well, you know, um, how quickly James, I guess, would like to be chipping up the heights. But, you know, definitely not a pole vault expert myself, but in the time I've spent watching those events, you know, it's sort of those technical accommodations you've got to make as a younger jumper um, or younger vaulter going up through those heights, you know, it, it's, it's obviously a bit of a diminishing return in terms of how complex it is to learn how to get over those really big heights. But it's yeah, cool. And, and I think,
0: yeah, one of the frustrations too is that um, I was at Countries and watched him do the clearance over 480 up there, which was his equal PB. It was a huge clearance. It, you know, It could yeah, have been five yeah, so bump, like you, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd you love it sort of on, on the spot, you know, a bit of a live uh, measurement. But I guess that's yeah. the, the tricky bit of
0: the event. <laughs> Yeah, so look, well and truly, the five metres is there for James Woods, and that's an exciting prospect for him. Um, And, yeah, I think talking to mum, I think he's turning 18 very soon, and he wanted to get the five metres before he turned 18, but uh, I think it's only a week, no, a couple of days away, so uh, it won't be another comp. But, gee, 495, he's got to be happy with that 15 centimetre PB. Um, Also big PB to Wilson Cram as well. He went to, I think he got 485. Let's just have a look at the result there. He certainly did. So, yeah, just, you know, a couple of the younger ones. And then you had Dalton DiMedio at 475. The evergreen Joel Pocklington. Gee, he brings a bit of spark always. Still to, there. Still going. The yeah. And then, you know, then you had Andre DiMedio at 440. Painter. Uh, Christian, the multi-eventer, 420. And goodly Amino um, was four metres. So, yeah, compelling comp there in the women's. You had a, a three-way tie on the 385. Uh, Cassidy Bradshaw, Alicia Kensal and Georgia Taylor, before mentioned. Liv Gross, free. 375, Sarah Melson 360, Tamara Mancuso 360, Kira Davey at uh, 320. So there the, that was the pole vault, the Steve Hooker pole vault. Steve was there, sitting out there, very laid back. He had his comfy couch <laughs> there. And you know, it was great. And Steve's just watching, having having a bit of fun, still a, a great part of that community and, you know, and honestly doesn't seek any recognition or fame when he's out there. But uh, I did track him down for a quick little chat on the mic. And uh, yet again, just a, a, an awesome guy Do you think you've got, you know, what was the best person in the world for a period of time there, just you know, watching uh, this domestic competition. Yeah. I, I, agree, obviously. I,
1: I think, yeah, he'd almost almost like that as well. Like, he, he'd be obviously very well known to a lot of the Axe community, but it's probably a space in which, you know, everyone just sort of, I don't know, maybe that in between, you know, you, you remember who he is and there might be some juniors that have got some pertinent questions for him, but it's also a place where he can obviously feel pretty at home, you know, also at Box Hill, his, his home club and his, yeah, and his, dads and his sort of family club as well. So, you know, also awesome to see him still poking his head in and, and keeping an eye on the youngsters.
0: Yep. So look, the Gary Hani, the Steve Hooker, important parts of the Zadar program, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's keep supporting them. All right, let's get back on track. Eight hundred meters, Jeff Risley. What do you say about Risley?
1: Um, I think it was interesting in that you know uh, it, it's interesting seeing Jack Lunn make that move up. Um, in that he's he's going to get more and more exposure to. Probably different types of races. Um, you know, we, we often talk about the 800 being an event that um, sometimes different different groups or, or different athletes. You know, you, you sort of try and manufacture a performance a bit. Um, in that, you know, it's not quite as easy as someone just setting the pace for you and and just you know, you, unless you're a unless you're a or someone. You know, you, you've got a fair job in front of you. But I think it's just really exciting to see a guy at you know that is is 34. Who won't mind me saying. Um, still sort of working his way back into being quite nationally competitive um, and hopefully that bodes really well for Jeff, you know, moving through the rest of the season. Um, but cool to see Jack Lunn as well, not not sort of, you know, shirking from the from the task and, you know, really attacking it from 400 out. Um, and a little bit of a shout-out to uh, Lockie Raper, who's from that, that sort of class of 2018 of the world under 20 reps. Yeah, I think his day in the sun will come. He's been edging down his PB from 149.5 to 149.0 in, you know, I reckon, one tenth increments for about two years. So he's definitely got the ability and he's got the got the form there. And he just needs to get on that.
0: Cool. Yeah. What, what might happen if he gets in the right race and he just races to win, you might find him down to the 147s. It can happen. It just, you know, just, it's all about the racing, isn't it, Sean? And that yeah. I think that's what Jeff knows how to do, you know, because there's all this consternation about the pace. Should it be 52, <laughs> two fifty They're all over yeah. the shop. In the end, now if you race to win, uh, then you're going to put yourself out there and the times will come. I think that sometimes there's just too much carry on about the pacing. Learn to race, and this is what Jack's now learning, is that, you know, you look at a pro like Jeff Risley, who knows how to win a race and and uh that's you know that's what you you've got to learn the different scenarios i think that's what you were saying you've got to learn the diff- you know not every race is going to pan out you know according to what the pacer is going to do learn how to get yeah and i, and I
1: think that can be tricky for the younger guys because they you know obviously if you're in form and you know, you've been racing a lot milers you sort of want those times now
0: um whereas those older guys
1: you know are maybe targeting a little bit later in the season and, and sort of have that assured sort of patience um, and I don't know how accurate the on-screen clock was, but I did see the, um, the on-screen clock had the guys going through in about 51, 51.8, 51. 51.9. 51. And I think when we were looking at the clock track side, it was sort of that 52.0. So I think Felix Lonegan, shout out to him, ended up doing a, a pretty stellar job um, of, of yep. telling the guys through. And, and they're still sort of 119 low at, um, at 600. So he's still on for a decent time there. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think the, the more and more we see of, of Risley, v. Lan and, and, you know, guys like Raper, who's in that central performance group up in Sydney with Ben Liddy and, and Mason Cohen. Um, yeah, we, we can see some really sort of ding-dong battles once. Um, guys like Bol and Deng and, um, yeah, everyone else in that sort of 800 fraternity like a Luke Matthews sort of gets back into it. So uh, yeah. I, I just like yeah. this part of the season where we get to see the early part of these stories. You know, we, we know we've got bigger sort of head-to-heads um, coming up.
0: Yeah, and we had bowl in the 15 which we'll talk about a little bit later, but when he steps mm. back down to his preferred event, that's going to really start to heat up, isn't it? And then if we can see some of the boys traveling around for the various state championships, mm. I think that's where we might see some, you know, good stuff happening. Mm. All right, in the women's Bissett was back two o two seventy five. Yeah, it was uh, trying. I think the aim was about fifty eight through four, but they weren't on that. I think they were more like the sixty. I think going through and Khan uh, stepped up a bit and was was the challenger at two o four thirteen. But uh, Kat Bissett just had the the goods, didn't she? Just looked strong and um, yeah, starting to work her way into the season as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I'd sort of heard from from Peter Fortune, her coach, that um, yeah, in that sort of. I guess that track preparation phase of, of getting back into the swing of things. That yeah, Bissett had been had been training quite well. So I think if you can open the season as as strongly as that, you know, rolling through a sort of a sixty odd split and keeping it chugging along for for a two o two, that's a that's a very tidy way to open up the season. Given that sometimes the scarcity of of two o two or sub two o two runs um, domestically. Um, so yeah, she she looked at super form there and, and didn't really look troubled um, throughout and, and looked quite strong over the last hundred. So. Good to see um, Brittany Khan back, you know, sort of racing um, around state to state. So, so I guess good to see some of our ACT athletes um, making the most of that travel. Um, and I know we'll get to it a bit later with the women's 10,000. But, um, yeah, Des Proctor, who coaches uh, Leanne Pompiani, did, did make a nice little tweet sort of saying, you know, how great it was to see um, Katrina Bissett run so well to start the season. Um, and that it was a great achievement to have two former students of Melrose High School Um, Competing at the biggest of one of the biggest events on the Athletics Australia calendar at the same meet, so cool to see our our ACT pals coming down and um, making the most of it.
0: Yeah, we will talk a bit about Pompiani later, but a big shout out to Melrose High School. That's awesome to yeah uh, visit Pompiani on on the big stage in Australia, which is great. All right, let's let's move to the fifteen hundreds. Let's go women first. Lyndon Hall, impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I know it was a. it, it's so tough backing up from from an event to pace, you know, having, having run earlier on by, you know, Katrina Bissett. And, and I think it was just that classic case of, you know, you, you get out a bit fast, you know, because you don't want to stuff the pacing up. And then, you know, you you maybe put the brakes on a little bit momentum wise. So, you know, I know, I know Lind and, um, Linden wouldn't have wouldn't have knocked cap for that, but it, it maybe wasn't quite the pace they were after. I think they were kind of hoping for something near two hundred eight. Um, but but I guess given where things did end up, you know, Linden definitely took the initiative um, from eight hundred on and, and injected a sixty four pretty much straight away. Um, and, and I've got to say it was it was really exciting seeing that start. In that you know the, the pace got off quite hot. That uh, Keely Small just jumped straight on it. There was there was no hesitation. So. Cool to see that, you know, for anyone that's sort of followed, I guess, Keely and, and, you know, that Philo Sauners group that, you know, there's there's been that chat that, you know, on Strava and stuff, she's been still running five days a week uh, but has been doing some longer runs on Sundays and, you know, has sort of invested in some longer reps and, you know, I guess trying to make that transition from being such a super 800 runner and, to be fair, was initially very good at 3,000 metres as a junior. Um, and when I say a junior, I mean sort of 14, 15 <laughs> Um, you know, being at the Commonwealth Games at 17 and, and going pretty close to two minutes. But, um, yeah, just just seeing her cyclically go through, building up each sort of part of her arsenal. Um, yeah, really cool to see her get in there with the likes of, you know, Olympians like Blundell and Hall. Um, and Hall just really strong over that last sort of 400 and 200, sort of clicking off about 31 point for the last 200, which buy yourself a box hill in, in January. Um, I know Lyndon jokes she is often a pretty hard, hard uh, taskmaster on herself. But, yeah, she... Was frustrated to miss the Olympic qualifier by such a narrow margin again, but, um, you know, even conceded that she had to be happy with that in January, you know, oh, sort of being yeah, in shape.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the crowd were happy too. It was it sort of, I think that was one of the spark events that sort of got, you know, got people really up and, and noticing. Blundell was good, but uh, a lot of um, discussion about what, smalls PB was going into, there was, you know, figures like 418, 413. <laughs> yeah, being thrown around, but now 407.89 is it. She got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that,
1: the hard thing was her her official PB before that was in the 418s from the last time she'd actually run one, but she'd had this, this thing that popped up on Instagram. She'd done a, a time trial on the pouring rain up in the ACT at some point, and it sort of around 415, and and then she'd split 412 through 1500 at the Elby Thomas mile, I think. So... Um, yeah, all the all the sort of signs were there that, that she was on for a, a pretty big jump um, in yeah, performance. Sub fourteen
0: was on, yeah, and, yeah, yeah a huge payday. Yeah, so four oh four thirty three for Hall, 4.07.71 for Bundell, and 4.07.89. Uh, Madeline Murray was back. She hasn't raced much, um, which, you know, yeah, well, it was good to see her back, but um, mm. probably hadn't raced much over the domestic season. Uh, Echel, she was 4.18, Eccle 4.19. Stella Radford, that surprised me from Stella. I hadn't seen a lot of her. She has well, yet again hasn't raced much. Haven't seen her at Milers Club, I don't think, this think season. she it was a little,
1: bit of a, a little bit of a PB, so it was good yeah.
0: for, for Stella. Yeah, so 4.21 for Stella. Uh, Caitlin Adams, who we have seen in Victoria, uh, probably would have been a bit disappointed with the 4.21. You know, we know that she can go quicker than that. Uh, yeah. Then we had Shawnee Landon and Bernadette Williams rounding out the field in 4.27s.
1: And it is it is tough for that second part of the field when there's such a sheer breakaway in pace. You know, you've, you've pretty much got to pick what you're going to do in the first 100 metres. <laughs> so it, it does really create two races within the one there.
0: Yeah. All right. Men's... Um, Not often we see sub-340s in Victoria domestically. You'd see them when we've got nationals or, you know, because even at states it's very, very rare. But we did have two and nearly three Uh, sub-340s. Tell us about that race, Sean.
1: Um, Yeah, I think, um, again, it was was good to see uh, Jason Clayton get chucked into pace in that I'm pretty sure officially his 800 PB is about
0: 156. And Ryan Gregson, yeah, said he, he had that massive breakthrough in the yeah, yeah, So like he was obviously in better shape. In but, um, yep.
1: He came up to me before the race. He said, oh, "I it okay, if I wear a t-shirt, <laughs> I was like, I was like, have you got a bib?" And he said, yeah, "Yeah, I've got the bib on the t-shirt." I said, hey, "Do whatever you want, you know." Yeah, I, I, I and he least, had a cap um,
0: on too, didn't he? I think Jason.
1: Yeah, yeah, he really, just to make sure yeah. everyone knew he was a pacer, you know, really, really channel that, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> bit of energy. But, um, no, it was cool to see him sort of get the boys rolling and, and Peter Bolt, you know, stuck his nose up there pretty early because um, he wanted to make sure things were, you know, going along accordingly. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, Gregson, as he said on our podcast, it, it does take him a few more sort of races to get the, get the legs rolling. Um, and, and like he said, he was going to be happy with anything under 340. So thereabouts, I'm sure he'd be a little bit annoyed with Geordie getting him in that last 100. But, you know, maybe a, a good sign of a, a big base sort of year that Geordie's been able to put in. Um, in in not traveling over to Europe with the group um, last season, but I think yeah, well,
0: uh, Williams took the win in three thirty nine fifty nine to three thirty nine eighty five for Gregson. Yep. So they they were the top two, and they were sort of juking it out. But you could just sense that Geordie had the the momentum or the strength over that final hundred.
1: Yeah, he had a little bit of a head check as well um, as he was going. You could, you could tell he. Yeah, I think he had another maybe another half a gear there if he needed it. Um, but, but I could, think the. Yeah. The, the one we're missing here, or not missing, I think the one we're forgetting a little bit, is um, another class of 2018, World Under 20s. Uh, Cal Davies went into World Under 20s back in Finland. Uh, I think he was only ranked sort of three or four spots off the bottom of the field list. And um, he's a funny guy, Cal. He's, he's very quiet, very sort of understated. And I remember at World World Under 20s, he said he made the final, uh, which was pretty unexpected. And he said, yeah, I just saw the clock. Because at some of these international meets, you've got a clock almost every 100 or every 200. And he said, yeah, I just saw the clock with about 200 to go and I thought, oh, if I can get two of these guys in front of me, I'll probably get that time qualifier. So having the presence of mind to think of that mid-world uh, under 20 heat, you know, when you've got Britson in the race as well, was uh, he's, he's a pretty astute racer. Um, but big PB for him. You know, he only ran 347 last year. Oh, he only ran 347 in November. Of 2020. So, you know, he's, he's obviously had, um, you know, just been making the, the best of conditions up in Queensland for racing. Um, but 340-91, I think the, the bigger question to come out of that race is is just how close Cal Davies was to, you know, the likes of Gregson and Williams um, and that he managed That's to exactly knock off right. Peter yeah, we Bolle leading on day.
0: Yeah, we were leading to Davies because in many ways that was, well, we'll talk about Joe Clifford, but uh, mm-hmm. to me, Davies, that was the run of that race. And I love the, uh, to see him a, arrive. Yeah, he
1: wore the state singlet as well, just I like
0: yeah,
1: from Queensland, letting everyone know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, he, yeah I, I think he's
1: a super talent. Like obviously, yeah, he's been like, up at more um, than that. PB suggests.
0: Been, been up at altitude and decided to come down for this one. Was, was sort of umming and aring about what to do and what to race, mm-hmm. but came down for this race because it sort of you know did fit in with his travel plans. And yeah. boy, rewarded with a massive PB. And he was, yeah. a, as you say, you look, um, yeah, a really interesting character, Cal. And um, he was just a bit. I think you know we were talking straight after about you know I think you've got close to that three forty, and he was oh that's really good, um, yeah, you know, and yeah, it's, He's it's a great. Yeah, he is, but uh, no, yeah, and he's taken the scalp of Peter Bowl. Yeah, and we know that it's not Boll's preferred event. Pete, Pete was aggressive, wasn't he? He had a real good go at it, which was really good to yeah, see.
1: Yeah, yeah, Pete, Pete, again, another, another character, because, um, you know, Pete um, and, and his, his housemate, Joseph Deng, they've both got family in WA, so they tend to start their sort of pre-season, per se, build up back in WA. And Pete joked that he hadn't had spikes on since the Doha Diamond League um, last year, because obviously he went over there with Joseph and, and had a, a good European season. Um, and I know he had a session last week where he was supposed to run uh, maybe 10 days ago he was supposed to run a bunch of 400s of sort of 30 or 45 seconds rest um, in about 70 to 72 seconds as a bit of an easy session but um, he sort of joked that he was feeling good and he and he finished off a, a pretty large part of the session you know sort of in flats in uh, in 65s and then he had sort of this set of 300s again where he, he sort of thought oh, I'll put spikes on, on grass and you know it was sort of Churning out some some thirty nine to forty second reps off of pretty short rest, so I think he, he was he's was quietly confident coming in that he was in better shape than usual um, for this time of the year, um, and he he does tend to get that one obligatory fifteen hundred out each year, uh, but yeah, I think he'd be very happy with a little little bit of a PB, and it kind of puts him in that that metric. Metric mile conversion for being in, you know, sort of that four minute, just under four minute shape. So,
0: yeah, well, I think there's probably six of them and maybe seven if you throw Hayne in that were around that metric um, sub four minute mile.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, especially Clark, uh,
0: 342.64, you know. Yeah, so so
1: a lot of guys that are in that area we talk about where even though you've got, you know, a a Williams or a Gregson or or even like a Stewie or a Ramsden, you know, that are those bits ahead. It's just you start ticking them off in your head. You think, okay, you got Fogg running three thirty nine the other week in Queensland. You got Jude Thomas, who's an under twenty, running three forty two. You got Jai Edwards going three fifty seven. I think it was for the mile at Bankstown. It's like you start putting all those guys into a into heats at nationals or into a you know a, a, a Sydney Track Classic or something. You, know, you 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 basically force them all on the line, and you get a you know you get someone to wind the pace up. It's like there are some stellar races coming up. Um, I, th- yeah, I think and
0: it's we sad- could be, yeah. Hopefully we're looking at the situation where you've got to break 345 to make the final of the nationals down. We haven't seen that for a long time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we've we've spoken about this with sprints in our previous podcasts as well, that it's it's that sense of if you raise that bar of okay, you're gonna need at least this to get into a domestic mate. Um, you know, if you need a 345 or a 343 or something just to be there. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more guys crack into those 339s, 338s, and, you know, we're still seeing guys like James Hansen's putting in a good block down in Tasmania at the moment, um, and, you know, it was awesome to see a guy like Zach Paddo um, yeah, back in the back race in the as well, and I think, I think he's got a lot more room in how he ran last night, sort of reacquainting himself after, you know, probably more than, more than than more than two years off
0: track racing. Um, That's right. And Isaac Kane is a talent, the South Australian, 343. He's still very good. Yeah, quite young, 343, he's 88. He's barely out of Kane. his 20s, yeah. 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 And anyway, yeah. he's so ran so well out of 5k as well recently, yeah. so. Yeah, but what do you say about Jared Clifford?
1: Yeah, it was so funny seeing him with about, it might have been 300 left or maybe 500 left. You know, obviously, for him, the hard thing is not only is he trying to manage his own sort of adrenaline and fatigue and excitement, He's just trying to keep sort of an eye on what's in front of him or what's next to him. So he starts to do that thing where he kicks and he sort of has to lean forward a bit and he gets that sort of pronounced forward lean and he's sort of trying to concentrate on 15 things at once. But um, I know coming into that race, he was, you know, I had a little chat to him before the race and he was was quietly thinking, yeah, I'm I'm in pretty good shape. But I think he's thinking along that same line as well. He he wants to go under 3.42, you know, he wants to go under 3.40, you know, also a guy that went to world under twenties in twenty eighteen. So him and Cal know each other really well. Uh, so I think, yeah, you know, it's just awesome to see him he he's setting himself exactly those same barriers. Like he he wants to be a guy that is, you know, giving all these able board guys a real run for their money in a national final <laughs> as well.
0: It is great, isn't it? Uh, he's a legitimate player in good fields uh, as a T12 athlete. And that was the third time in a couple of months where he's broken that record. And he's really taken it down from 347 to, to 342 now, um, or yeah. high 342s in yeah. in a fairly quick uh, succession. Um, I think he would have yeah.
1: loved the, uh, the earlier start time as well, because I know Box Hill in the Dark is one of his... Yes. Uh, <laughs> Tricky
0: yeah, job, be, yeah, yeah, and back straight especially, but you know, yeah, it was it was a good fifteen hundred to watch, and you know, it's great to see Williams and Greeks, and you know, we don't often see them domestically racing around here, so that that was good, and then Davies, you know, saying, well, you know, I'm now a player, bowl coming out. Uh, and then Clarkie, oh, yeah, that's great for Clarkie. Clifford, Hain, Patterson, Pike, Shaw, Mathis. Even Lockie Heard got the late call up for it, got a sub 350. He reckoned, you know, he was sitting pretty in the midfield and then just blew a bit on the last lap. But, you know, it's great racing experience for Lockie you know, as he steps up from 8 to 15. And he's now, you know, he's a 347 runner, so he's now starting to stake his claim as well. So, it's, yeah, you know, we're stacked full of depth. That's, and that's the
1: thing. There's a lot of, of storylines in all those races. So I think that's where, you know, if you're tragic enough like us, Um, It's quite exciting to watch (laughs) because, you know, know, it means something different to everyone.
0: Let's double the distance. Let's go to the three k as the Ondiecki, and also the um, the De Castella three k. Always two highlight events, and I love these events because of just the clamor to get into them. You know, just these are the ones that we um, probably those who are putting fields together. These are the ones that we really stress over more than anything because there's particularly with the boys. There's so many kids who want to get in here. Eight thirty four was the cutoff this year. I think I've never seen an eight thirty four cutoff for for the De Castella before, Sean. What a a great sign. Yeah,
1: and and I know sometimes, you you know, you look at the finishing times and people think, oh, how does that match up with, you know, how everyone entered? But, yeah, I think just putting that out there that it was such a hard race for those junior guys to get into. Um, Yeah, I I think it was awesome seeing the likes of an Adam Spencer and a Sam Clifford and and all those guys like a Matt Hussey as well really duking it out up the front. Uh, And Adam Spencer is a guy who's really gone from strength to strength and, and definitely used that lockdown sort of 2020 time period, um, you know, he, he'd put together some stellar runs around uh, the 10. He'd put together, you know, that sort of in-training unofficial 800 PB, gone under 150, did a really mature job of pacing Stuart McSwain to a 350 mile, you know, very evenly around 152, which is very hard to do, um, especially when your PB is only sort of 149. Uh, and I think he's he had that cracking 3K at milers and, and the 1500, like, you, know, you can hear from me rambling on it's just that momentum that he's building from race to race yeah. and he's, and he's really becoming a guy who was maybe a little bit of a timid junior uh, but is now you know a real real force to be reckoned with if, if you let him get too close to the front
0: this was a classic championship race wasn't it Sean it was messy and I was talking to Sam Clifford afterwards he was getting yeah. shoved to pillar to post out there he was in the lead bunch then would drop back towards the rear of the field then try to make his way back through again and get up it was you know the pace dropped very quickly early though it just looked like they're off for of their sunday run uh but then i think uh, we gave him a bit of a rev up and they did rev up and it was uh drew fry, fry the new south wales he came in with the top seed time too at eight uh eight oh nine Yeah, he he sort of lifted it and everyone responded, uh, which was good to see. But it was sort of always the top players around the front of the pack, wasn't it? So it was Spencer and also, apart from Clifford... Occasionally drifting back a bit, but it was those guys that uh, set the pace and, and really made the race up. And yeah, you know, it was a really good result in the end. For you know, it, it, not the not the quickest of races, as you say, and as you know, we you know people look at it and say, oh, but they've you know all run much quicker. But it was true championship racing. And in the end, it was uh, Spencer who took it in eight eighteen thirty. Uh, just drew away on that last lap. Really, Fryer was good and competitive, in an eight twenty one twenty seven for him. Uh, Clifford just nabbed Husty's in the final bit so Clifford came in for third spot and then Hussey was fourth in 823.32 uh, then you had the likes of Goddard and that was a good run from Goddard from from South Australia I didn't know much about him but he was competitive the whole way through then some of our guys who'd really tried hard to get into this race and had set themselves up and they were having a great season didn't get the times that they probably thought they might get in this race so you, I'm talking Buckridge, uh, Collins, yeah. Garboletto, they, they've all run quicker but boys welcome to championship racing this is get used to this get know how to position yourself and there was a lot of i think mistakes being made by some of those kids out there and i'll probably throw fiddler into that as well uh, aiden roberts was brave went early but and and really set the that pacing up in the second half of the race but Aiden then faded but gee he had a go at it um, Archie Noakes I think was the only one to run a PB <laughs> so uh, you know Archie's one to watch out for but still not at the quality of a Spencer or a Fryer or Clifford or Hussey but uh, mm. Noakes is certainly uh, applying his trade a lot in in competition at the moment and watch out for that one because I think he's still got a bit of growing to do as well Archie. yeah so interesting race championship race totally different scenario in the women's though wasn't it do you want to talk us through the women's on Diecki?
1: Yeah, geez. Uh, I think the talk coming in was uh, that you know, no disrespect to Sarah Schiffman, uh, still a little bit younger than Abby Caldwell, but that you know Caldwell's made you know World Under Twenty team on the track, World Under Twenty team uh, in cross country ranks, and and had you know ran a qualifier for what was the the World Under Twenties in Kenya that didn't didn't quite happen. Uh, but yeah, really sort of just. I guess politely toyed with the field at the start and, and got herself to the front very quickly and then hit the brakes um, and, and no one seemed to fancy going around her. Uh, and, yeah, just sort of dictated terms until about 1,500, until she took off. Um, ran 419 for the last 1,500 uh, and was under 440 for the last four laps. Uh, throw that in with a, a 214 last 800 and, and about a 64 last lap. Yeah, Abby Caldwell's was really... Really sort of popping her hand up as as one of those juniors that looks like she'll make, you know, has already made a big jump from 4.18 down to 4.13 at milers, but, you know, could make a a more substantial jump maybe into that sub 4.10 department um, if she can get in the right race.
0: It was just a professional performance, wasn't it? I, I felt a little bit sorry for Fiki Vanderkamp. She came in, I think, as the slowest yeah, seed. I you know, know from, yeah. A and, early, and they were mucking around early and you just saw Fiki think, oh, my God, I'm here for a fast time. I'm going to go wide. And she took the lead. Yeah. And, and yeah. good on her because, you know, you, you're not going to die wondering. And sometimes, you know, the, the bottom seeds have to do that. And we saw this with, um, you know, the 800-Miles Club um, when the, the bottom seed, uh, you know, and a 43-year-old took the lead against Carn uh, and yeah. the others in Caldwell. So you know it, it sometimes it has to happen that someone has to take the lead and, you know good on your Fiki for having a go at that and um you know i don't think she got a pb but she certainly put herself out there but you know caldwell's closing was great and she put 13 seconds on Schiffman. rourke was What's interesting up? rourke was positioning well all the way through i thought rourke knows how to run a good race here but it was just found wanting for pace towards the end wasn't she
1: yeah, it was, a, it was a PB for uh, Abby Caldwell
0: as well, the 9.22. It was, yeah. 9.20. Well, when you consider, they were on slower than 10-minute pace going through that 1,500, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. And her PB before
1: that minutes. was about 9.33. And, and I, think, yeah. uh, I think she ran at that.
0: Uh, no, 9.26 was, uh, I think, 9.33 might have been the official uh, PB, but 9.26 know, you had run yeah, not. Yeah, because the funny thing right.
1: was ran that nine twenty six in uh in like heavies like peg turbos at that sort of unofficial three k earlier in the season. So you know, Gav Baron was sort of saying, yeah, you know the there's, there's a bit of fitness there. It's, it's a little bit of regal right? So um, no, very cool to see um, yeah, just such a such a strong last sort of fifteen hundred and a thing about a two forty eight last k.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we were talking historically, you know, they've gone from being what could have been a 10-minute race to running 9.22.35, and historically that stacks up pretty well off. That's a really slow start. um, Yeah, that would have won a lot of Ondiekis in the past as well, so it was good to see that kick down. Yeah, Rourke was good. I think, you know, she got a PB. I think Megan Dixon also got a PB. She came in fourth. uh, Not too many PBs after that, so he had McBurney, Purcell, Waters, uh, Thomas uh, Vanderkamp, and Goldsworthy in that order. So, yeah, so two different races weren't they those three k's but always exciting you know that's why you know you've got to really look at these and look at who's making the moves and you know who the who the performers are in these races because quite often they're the ones that go on to have careers and we talk about rose davies soon but she is actually a former winner of that event as well so it's yeah. uh it really sets them up nicely Let's talk ten thousand metres. We'll do the men first because they did run first, which is very, very unusual for the the men to to be the the lead into the women's ten k. But uh, Brett Robinson just yeah you know, they were motoring along uh, beautifully. Fourteen minutes through, five k twenty eight zero zero at the end of the ten k. So even yeah well it looks like even pacing even splitting. But no he <laughs> dropped uh, dropped a couple of bombs in there didn't he to, to break. The I did
1: I did love the. Uh... Yeah, you know, when you look at those internal squad dynamics, like knowing that Ben Buckingham, he joked to me after the race that he saw you before the race and you said, Oh, Bucks are you pacing? And he goes, Tim, that's a national
0: championship. <laughs>
1: In that <laughs> we course. know hope, has well, that. well,
0: luckily I wasn't going on the live stream. So that no, was, that, I was that part of
1: Zatapek where you know you you want to have some quality. Ace there, but you, you know you still need those people to qualify by virtue of a five or ten thousand meter performance. So it's that it's that, that known 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 that doesn't get mentioned as much. Um but it was funny to watch Buck. it was funny knowing he had to get about fourteen minutes and I think he dropped about thirty one from forty eight hundred to, to squeeze it onto <laughs> the 14 minutes. He was hurting a bit of might have been, think, might have been on a performance paid. bonus. <laughs> His PV is only like low like 13.50, so it's like I know he's a fitter guy than he was when he ran that 5K PB, but, yeah, it was a fair shift to put in from the front. Um, and then the funniest thing was just watching Brett Robinson drop a 243-kilometre in, in the sixth one, just going, yeah, right, okay, let's let's pack this up. I don't know. If, he, he just seems so nonplussed with it, like that you know Stewie's not there, you know it's not going to be an Australian record attempt, and it's almost like Brett was obliged to win it. Like you saw him standing on the start line, he had this look on his face where he's just like, Oh, God, 25 laps. Okay, I could do this. All right, let's let's get the show on the road. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and he all the sentiment standing on the side with Stuart McSwain. Stuart said, Geez, I, I never realized how different it is being a spectator watching 10,000 meters. He said, Not much really happens until the we'll last K, does it? But uh, that was just before the women's race. Uh, well,
0: no, let's talk about the women's race soon. And a lot did happen before the last yeah, game, that uh, one. So that was a very interesting yeah, race. But-
1: it was funny to see he didn't even bother to dip. Like he saw the 28 on the clock it was just like, yeah, whatever. Yep, yeah, get done. Very workman-like performance, just churning out 28 minutes. But um, a no, great run by Brad. Uh, yeah. 28 And then so we had Jack Rayner in second in 28-13-42. So sort of the marathon boys there showing that they're, they're in some good um, good shape and hopefully they can build on that for, you know, whatever their next road races or, or sort of any sort of Olympic prep may be. Uh, we had Dave McNeil in third, the, the evergreen Dave McNeil in 28, 16, 86, who managed to fend, yeah, off, a, uh, managed to fend off a very enthusiastic uh, Ed Goddard who, who promised everyone far and wide that he wouldn't lead. That he that he you know behave himself and sit in as he does tend to love uh, mixing it up at the very pointy end but um, and then just a stream of, of sort of happy runs there um, you know Eddie Buchanan and, and Tom Decanto worked really well together to, to run 28 35 11 and 28 35 69 respectively um, and Riley Cox also managed to sneak under the 29 minute mark in running 28 45 50.
0: I think in the the latter laps, you know, because we knew, apart from the interest of whether Brett would get sub-28 or not, um, the latter laps, it was all about McNeil and Goddard. Um, McNeil led a lot of it, I think, and Ed was just hanging on. But when you consider, you know, that, Dave's won this twice, and the first win was quite a while ago. I think it was an mm-hmm. Olympic Park that So that goes yeah. back a while now because we've been at uh, Lakeside now for over about 10 years. Um, so he's won it twice. He knows how to win it, but it was a really good race. And, it, it, and when Dave kicked down, you know, Ed just didn't really have that response. So look, Ed's still got plenty of time. It was a PB for Ed, a pretty big PB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was, it was about more a 20 something
1: second PB. So still a yeah. really good run.
0: By yeah, him. so. So he was on the edge, obviously, and he's still got plenty of years ahead of him. He's still very young. He's moved to 47th on the all-time list. Uh, and similarly, a uh, big run from DeCanto. He, I think he was PB'd by about a minute or so, and he's moved to 55th on the all-time list with that twenty eight thirty five. Riley Cox was good because he just ran his own race, Sean. He just... Picked off a few towards the end. He got a PB as well. The PBs were actually few and far between. I've only, I think I've only found four, uh, and that includes Goddard, Docanto, Cox, and Tim Vincent from Queensland. He came through in twenty nine oh six. Kieran Tor was brave, wasn't he? He really had a good shot at it, uh, but just he he paid the price a little bit later on. He came through in twenty nine zero three. Uh, and then Potter from yeah. South Australia, you know, good result, but not a PB. wearing. I think we expected more of Andre, didn't we?
1: Yeah, and and I think um I had a you know, you, you always feel a bit um you just feel like a a, a bit mean when you've got a, something like a ten thousand where there's a lot of laps and you'll be you'll be sitting trackside, you know, sort of doing the the social media duties for A V and and was taking some photos and you know you you want to say to those guys like, oh, you know, good work, Andre, or you know, hang in there, mate, like that sort of thing. And I know he was a little bit disappointed with how he ran as he's had um, some really encouraging training blocks and, and some good results leading in. But as he said as well, sort of, you know, standing there with Adrian Potter, that the 10,000 is one of those races where if, if things start to go a little bit haywire, there can still be a lot of laps left and, you know, you, it's really a mental battle to being able to not let things slip too much and and try and preserve, you know, some sort of a a run at the end of it. So, yeah, a tough tough run out there for him. But I think, you know, it's it's something that he'll take um, some lessons away from and try and pop that into some up-and-coming races.
0: Yeah, I think he'll excel there eventually. But maybe the, you know, the 15 true to 3K might still be his sweet spot for the moment, Andre. uh, But yeah. Yep. Trying to tell him how to run his career, but but you know maybe he's just got that little bit more time there before he does transition more fully through to the five or ten. Mm. Anyway, let's uh, all right. Let's go to what was probably the race of the night. Now I think it was the race of the night. Women's ten k. Sean.
1: Yeah, I, I just think it was it was so exciting in that uh, you, you knew that the time. Was maybe still on. Uh, I got to say, you know, shout out to Sarah Billings. She did a really good job of pacing early on.
0: Um, yeah. So that, but, that time being the Olympic qualifying time of thirty-one twenty-five, and they were spot on that for for probably five or six laps, perhaps.
1: Yeah, which which to be fair is a really tall time to try and hit, um, even in Australian ten thousand meter running standards. Um, and, and I think you know the the fact there that once all the paces pulled off. Um, you know, things did t- did start to sag a little bit. Um, it just sort of showed the, you know, the 10,000 for anyone that's not as familiar is usually one of those races where there'll be sort of three to four races around the world each year that you know have the propensity to be super fast um, and you'll get these really, really high-end fields as, you know, it's not raced that often. You know, you're not going to race one every weekend. So, you know, when you don't have something like a Stanford or a, or a Hengalo to go jump into, um, you've sort of got to make your own make your own work uh, out here. Um, and I thought that early development of, you know, Jen Gregson sort of taking on the duties from the front and trying to keep things pushing along um, was quite brave, even if it was, you know, maybe the, the, the beginning of, of her end in that race in that it maybe overextended her a little bit in, in letting the other women have a bit of a sit. Um, and then from there, it was really interesting because obviously Andres Caffey and the, the Canadian who bases herself in Australia um, and, and Melbourne um, was feeling quite good. Yeah, uh, you know, it was was really towing things along, but that that sort of last four laps, you know, Tim, you were you were there track side on on the mic. That last four laps was was absolutely fascinating.
0: Well, well I think there was a lot going on before that too. There was a lot of dynamics, and it was just watching, you know, who was going to crack. Let's get some context on that thirty-one twenty-five Olympic qualifying time, though. There's only um, – well, this – Diver's run thirty-one twenty-five point, uh, and she's fifth fastest ever on the all-time list. That gives you really context, doesn't it, of what they were trying to achieve and how many. And the, yeah. the, the key was when that pack set off, there was six or seven of them there, including maybe pacemakers. But there were legitimately five or six girls who were on that schedule for, for a reasonable amount of laps. Now the yeah. casualties came a little bit later, and it was really the, the fascinating part. Well, well, who's the next one? Sometimes you'd see someone drift back a little bit, and even Davies at times was drifting a little bit and taking Batgirl yeah, back. Like the, so the, then they nice come back on again.
1: again, you
0: know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and what what we're doing when we're commentating is we're looking for those little signs, and uh, you know, occasionally I thought, well, oh, geez, is Davies, Davies just feeling it a bit there, or are they just sort of sitting back and and Bat Doyle played a really smart race, didn't she? She was uh, just sitting at the rear of that pack, just uh, just soaking up the um, you know the pacing and uh, and benefiting from what was going up on up front, uh, and yeah, fascinating race. Lauren Ryan, you know, um, let's go through the results. <laughs> well, actually, I'll give yeah. some stats. I've done some stats on this. 17 starters including two pacemakers or sorry we're allowed to say that no two two <laughs> extra entrants did not finish i'll yeah. say it that way uh, so 15 finishes of those 15 finishes there were seven all-time pbs and an additional three track pbs so on track 10 of them ran pbs out of 15 that's pretty impressive solid uh on the Yeah, on the all-time list, Davies has gone to 7th on the all-time list. Bat Doyle to 10th on the all-time list. Gregson to 19th on the all-time list. Lauren Ryan, the youngster, up to 21st on the all-time list. And if anyone wants to check the all-time list, have a look at some of the all-time greats of Australian distance running who are behind Lauren Ryan. Another big one who probably went under the radar last night, but both you and I are onto this, Leanne Pompiani. PB by about a minute. 39th on the all-time list after being in the wilderness for a couple of years huge run and why because of her having a smart race strategy
1: yeah i think it's tough as well when someone like Leanne, you know is, is often i guess earmarked as people say oh you know a bit more of a road racer or a bit more you know a bit better at cross country like those sorts of things in that often those athletes who are better at the much longer distances still want to have their sort of day in the sun at something like a 10,000 in that it is their their most relatively important um, track distance um, and can be a really good indicator of, you know, when you're putting in, when you're one of those athletes that doesn't race as often, um, if you can get a really good 10,000 metre run out, um, you know, it can still be a great indicator of, of how well your, your training blocks have been going. So it, it is cool. I know um, I sort of followed Des uh, Proctor, her coach, on Twitter um, and he is uh, re- remarkably open with um you know posting some of the sessions she does and um and some of the uh some of the data i guess which can be really interesting for up-and-coming coaches and he does some really good work um in the act um but yeah it just sounds like she had had some really difficult period periods of injury over the last year as well so to be able to come out the other side of that um and take such a big whack off her personal best um yeah she must be stoked
0: All right, let's talk Rose Davies. 31, 39.97. Yeah, so that places her fifth on the all-time list of Zatapec performances ahead of a 31, 26, 10 by Joyce Chepkarui. Has she been done for naughty stuff, Uh, Chepkarui? you
1: keep talking I love it. look I think one of yeah. our former
0: winners uh, has uh, has yeah, look I don't want to demean anyone but yeah anyone we know that one has uh, Susie power the great Susie power in 2001 a solo 31 26 34 I'll never forget that race it was in the rain at Olympic Park and Susie 31 26 34 no super shoes back then Sean what a what a great athlete Susie power was and I hope that she never gets forgotten because she was just one of the most awesome uh, runners that year 20 20- Twenty oh one was her year. Her run at the City of the Surf in Sydney was just, you know, excellent. Uh, Emily Tibet another Kenyan. I think she might have been a you know, high placer in Well Cross Country. Thirty one thirty point two two, and then the great Tommy Nia, who you've got a lot to do with. Thirty one thirty two point five. So, so Rose Davies is next on the list. That's great, <laughs> young girl from Newcastle. What do you say? Wild. You know, yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty wild Pretty damn wild. So, you know, it's uh, it was a mature performance. You know, I think she just looked the part in those last few laps. And for those who haven't seen it, and you, know, you definitely get back and watch it, especially the last four or five laps, Bat Doyle was strong. She was courageous. She had a go. She was, uh, and Sakafian, we're sort of still uh, pondering how to say the name. Uh, there's a few versions going around, but uh, Andrea certainly laid it down and would not give up. You know, that's what I loved about. Uh, Andrea, she, she was going for the Canadian record, which was thirty-one forty-one, which is held Yeah, so yeah, it's held by Wodak, I not think. Not too far off, yeah. Not too far off. And she was on pace there for a while, but and I think that was what was driving Andrea. She kept going, she would not give up, got dropped, came back, actually surged to the front and the latter stages as well in a big move. But um Yeah, and I
1: think you're right. That was one of the most interesting things, spectating as well, is that you know, even someone like Davies had those little moments where you thought, oh, is she going to get dropped off the back here? Like, you know, Bat Doyle was putting in accelerations and um, Sekafian was putting in accelerations. And, you know, I, I think Davies sort of said something to that effect in, a, in her post-race interview that once she, you know, knew she had hung on for far enough, you know, that there was sort of 600 left and then 400 left and, you know, just trying to play that mental game of, you know, you could win this race, like this this is happening. Um, because you've got enough time to think about it. You know, when someone like a Jen Gregson or a a Sinead Diver or, you know, an Ellie Pashley starts getting dropped off, as that younger athlete, you're thinking, geez, like someone's going to have to win this. That could be me. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, when she had about 250 left, she absolutely launched off the front. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, well, Bat Doyle is also a top 10 all-time in Zadipek. She's leaped Mm. ahead of the likes of Lund, McCann, Swallow and Diver with 31-43-26. As we said, just gritty... You know, powerful strategically, a good race as well. Made her move and really tried to win the race, uh, and by dropping them, but couldn't shake uh, Davies. And as we said, and uh, Sakafian also came back at her. Uh, The Sakafian 31.45.95, so missed the national record by about four seconds. Uh, Then, you know, the first, or the you know, Gregson, who you know, we we know is quality, and she'd run so well in Launceston to beat. Uh, Davies and Bat Doyle in a bit of a sprint finish just was found wanting at maybe what eight eight and a half k I think and um, uh, and then was just full, fell back a little bit to run thirty two oh six then Lauren Ryan she got was dropped before. Uh, Genevieve, but, yeah, you know, as we keep saying on the, on the on-field the on commentary, she ran her own race from there, didn't panic, just kept churning out good laps. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think easy. there must
1: be a temptation to do that when, you know, you really want to compete with that front end of the pack. It, it would be tempting to think, oh, God, you know, there goes my race. But as, we, you know, we were saying, you were saying trackside and a lot of the broadcasts were saying, you know, you've, you've got to try and keep a cool head and think, hey, this could still be a huge,
0: huge time for me. Yeah, well, she ran 32.58 in Launceston and was, um, you know, beaten by a few people that she beat in this race. So that mm-hmm. just shows the growing maturity of Lauren. And, um, you yeah, know, we saw we saw that in the 3K at uh, Miles Club as well when she went head-to-head with Lyndon. And we saw a mature and, you know, well-developed performance. She's now brought that back. And maybe she prefers track to, to road as well, but uh, she's got a long career ahead of her, hopefully.
1: And uh, um,
0: diver and- was next in 3 yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: I was just going to say on that previous point, in, in defence of Joyce uh, Chepkrui on our all-time list, it was uh, Emily Chibet who uh, tested positive back in uh-huh. 2015 for, for Ozemide, which is a uh, diuretic. So for someone who had two world titles um, in cross-country and was fourth at the World Championships in
0: 2013,
1: uh, not ideal. But just to make not sure idea. we clarified that for our listeners. But, uh, yes, moving on to uh, Sinead Diver was next in the results.
0: Yeah, so 32.36 for Diver. So our two World Championship uh, 10Ks who ran superbly in Doha were, were the next two in that, passionately in that position behind Diver at 32.51. She actually did a lot of the leading and set up the race for uh, Pompiani, uh, who did finish in eighth. So, you know, eight thirty two fifty four seventy eight, and 78, as we said. Big PB, Tara Palm. I don't think Tara will be happy with that race. You raced so well in uh, Launceston and, and was such a, a competitive player there. But she ran thirty two fifty six, but would never went with that lead pack. And you know, I was sort of saying earlier in the in the commentary that you know maybe this is the race plan, knowing that they are going at that thirty one twenty five pace, which she's never run. You know, she's more of a you know thirty two low. Uh, maybe the, the strategy there was just to stick back and just see what happened late in the race and start to come through. But uh, Tara just didn't look to have the goods last. Night and was with Ali and Leanne the whole way. They surrounded a threesome basically. So she was next through in 3256. So, you know, about five seconds separating those three in the end. Olga Fasova, I don't know much about her. She's from no, the Czech Republic. Um, sounds like a Russian. Yeah, I've just checked her out on World Outreach. Queensland, I, her, I think. Yeah, Queenslander. So representing Queensland, yeah. 3407 PB for her. Uh, so, yeah, yeah great. So- Sarah Klein helped. Yeah, you know, uh, Commonwealth Games and World Championship Marathon, Sarah Klein, who also has had a few lean years. She's back again, and that was a PB for Sarah, thirty-four twenty-one. Alicia Robinson, the South Australian. Look, I like what I see with Robertson because she's just ploughing away and she's the type yep. that, you know, she's still relatively young, could have the breakthrough. Uh, so 34.22, another PB for her. Karina 34 34.41, track PB, not a not a road PB. She's run quicker on roads. Gemma Maney, probably a bit disappointed at 35.22. She's run a lot quicker than that. And then Annabelle White was the last of the finishes, the New South Wales girl in 35.33. Just a enthralling race, wasn't it, Sean? Enthralling.
1: Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of plot lines in that one. Um, and I was just reading through. Uh, last I think it was um, in uh, at the start of twenty twenty. Um, I, I wrote an article on Rose Davies for for Tempo Journal, and um, she sort of joked in there that she only really got back into properly training at the start of twenty eighteen, um, after some really tough hip injuries as a junior. Um, and she joked that um. You know, she just got sort of got sick of feeling unfit and doing nothing. You know, she was still doing a little bit of jogging um, and she said she just got sick of doing, you know, these little 20-minute jogs and being on the floor by the end of it. Um, But she she made two good points in saying that sort of her why of coming back to running was that, you know, she used to see all these girls she used to race doing so well and instead of being frustrated about it, she said it motivated her to think, I can do that. Um, And that, you know, Scott Westcott, a 211.36 marathoner uh, and an Olympian in his own right, um, and a pretty you nice know, guy too. Yeah, lovely bloke has, has developed a really strong squad in Newcastle. Um, and, you know, Davey sort of said at the time back at the start of 2020 that Westcott always sort of left the door open for her in terms of coming back to training. You know, she said she was sort of still turning up to sessions. So, you know, she never really stopped completely. But that, you know, Scott was obviously really happy to see that mindset change a little bit in 2018 in, in terms of being, oh, okay, like, you know, she's focused now. Um, you know, Rose is ready to do proper sessions. Um, you know, as as maybe in some of those sort of leaner uh, sort of teenage social years, um, he'd sort of turned a blind eye to, as Rose admitted, that, you know, if she stopped after one rep or or wouldn't turn up after, as she admitted, a a bit of a big night out, um, you know, Scott would never sort of pressure it too much. Um, But, yeah, I I think just seeing that evolution from her sort of posting a, a great 1500 time, you know, a really strong 5K and, yeah, just making this huge jump up to being, you know, in such a such a spot of, of form and fitness in the ten thousand, it's just yeah you know, an awesome sort of role that 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 Zatapec event can play each year for for those juniors trying to make the jump um, into the, the really big
0: sort of senior ranks. Yeah, look, all hail Rose Davies. Um, <laughs> big credit to Bat Doyle and Sakafian as well. Really made a great race. And um, yeah, what do you say? It was just a top race to watch. You know, ten k is a can be the most demeaned tracked race uh, mm. on the on the schedule, but gee, I've seen good ones before. You know, can I can remember one, and it was a female race as well at Olympic Park uh, when you had Natalie Harvey and uh, a few of those other girls back in that sort of previous golden area era. You know, a similar race, you know, three, four of them just going head to head and really duking it out. It can be fantastic, and time goes for us spectators. Time can go pretty quickly. <laughs> so- yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So, look, we'll, we'll leave that for the Zatopec. A great night. Box Hill, a uh, great venue for it, as we well know. You look ashamed that some people couldn't get in, but I, I do know there's a few people just you know, hanging around the fence on the outside, and they could still see a lot of the action as well and hear the wonderful commentary. Of uh, Nick Wall, um, and uh, also the live stream uh, with Lynchy and Tamsin, and uh, you know, producing a, a really good coverage there. So you know, it's a nice little product. Uh, you know, it, it's found its sweet spot at Box Hill, and and I think uh, hopefully this will be the home. And next time round, even you know, there might be two 2021 versions of it. We will see. And um, you know, hopefully it uh, you know it, this will prick up the interest for a lot of more of the athletes, but also the spectators. It's a good night out. Yep. All right, Sean high-velocity club uh, over the weekend, Knox, I believe, and you're going to sort of cover some of the the high performers of high-velocity.
1: Yes, in um, true tragic fashion, I'd spent most of my week uh, with a burning question on my mind as to how... Windy hundred meter performances converted to to you know, future breaking 10-second barriers and such. Uh, as a In a nerdy pathway. new I pump me times, but, uh, not a bad, not a bad ride up there on Ryan Browning on our on our website if anyone wants to have a gaze and a link to a very nerdy spreadsheet. But no, no, I have embraced the nerd and uh, I actually went down to HVC because I wanted to see how um, what was a bit of a hyped race between. Uh, Jack Hale and Jake Penny and, and Drew Rodriguez-Chico was going to turn out. But um, it didn't, didn't
0: disappoint, did it? It really didn't disappoint. Didn't. And, and we claim Jake now as the down-the-track-zone Jake Penny. Is that what he <laughs> referred <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, we've got him
1: on, much, much the amusement of his training group. Um, but
0: I'd say... And I, I believe you received a very nice note from one of his coaches about that too. So yeah, we- yeah, Maddie
1: Matty Wade uh,
0: popped through an email um, to myself that
1: yeah, i pass on to you, Tim. And, and yeah, I think, um, you know... I think it's that thing of we often try in athletics media to be a bit cool or like, you know, we th- that we don't take notice of these things. Like, you know, you and I aren't, you know, checking results websites and watching these smaller mates and, you know, having a chit-chat behind the scenes at work about these up-and-comers or you know a big new talent coming out of somewhere and and i think the podcast is a really good platform to try and learn more about these people and, and try and add some context to their performances so you know hopefully for everyone that changes
0: uh um, but also to, what what we try to do also add some context to their lives
1: yeah yeah what kind of people they are and, and you know what sort of things they've got going on in the background yeah yeah not um, just go the,
0: for the
1: name back. and the statistics so you know no, I'm um, going from the top at HBC on the weekend at Knox. It was a very hot day. I think it was sort of 34, 35. Um, Mieta Russell has had a busy competitive period uh, lately. So she's in the women's long jump and took the win in 597. Uh, and speaking of up-and-comers, um, uh, Alessia Wynn uh, from Doncaster, who's a bit of a long jumper and sprinter, jumped 593 as well. Um, Brick Burkett, who's made a bit of a transition to long jump, um, jumped 580 there for third. Um, and Rachel Lindbergh also jumped 574, the uh, multi-eventer. Um, in the men's long jump, we saw Seb Reineke, one of our, our very talented uh, multi-eventers. Um, I think he might have had a world under 20 qualifier back for the meet that didn't quite happen. Um, jumped 714. Um, Aiden Hinson, who had a couple of fouls in his series, so I think he's still working things out a bit, um, is a super triple jumper uh, and did recently jump what may be a world under 20 qualifier if that event happens this year. Uh, he jumped 708 for second um, and Nathan uh, Deslandes was third in 696 and uh, Paralympian Nick Hum uh, was fourth in 678. Um, outside of that, I guess the the major draw card was, of course, um, the men's and women's sort of one, two and four. Um, we wrote up in a, in a bit of a preview. Um, so in the women's 100, uh, Alexia Luizu ran 1172, to uh, take the win over a, a returning from injury, uh, Maddie Coates, comp Games and World Champs rep. Uh, she ran 11.81 for second. And Alana Grandine was third in 11.91. Uh, in the men's main uh, main draw card, uh, they ran it on the back straight, um, which was great to see. There was a, a negligible sort of negative 0.1 uh, headwind. Um Jack Hale, I, I think he wouldn't mind me saying. He was pretty frustrated after the race. Um, he felt like he didn't nearly start at all. Um, and as a guy that's a very high turnover sprinter, often when he pops his head up after about 30 metres and looks around, um, he usually has two or three steps on the whole field. Uh, but he butchered the start a bit and Jake Penny got a great start. Um, so when he looked up, um, he had Jake Penny right next to him. So from sort of 40 to 70 metres, he was absolutely grinding to try and get a gap on uh, on Penny. Um, and in the end, I think Jack uh, sort of leaned backwards a little bit at the finish line, whereas Penny went the full dip, um, and they were both given a time of ten forty nine. Uh, and it's called, called a dead heat. Um, so technically, dead heat or uh, judge's decision for Hale? Uh, I think it was judge's decision because I, I just don't see the thousandths listed on the results. Um, so yeah, they, they gave them both uh, first place. Um, right. So technically, there in third, um, Drew Rodriguez Chico had another solid run in 1064. Um, I know he's had a fair block of racing lately on track and in the pros. So I think he was just feeling a little little bit flat. Um, Jacob Despard in fourth in 1075. Jackson Bennett uh, ran 1084 for fifth. Uh, Ross Hine continued his. Uh, he's he's at, at, at about every meet he's run. Uh, he does the 100, 400 double. So it's like he's, he's playing that really long game for something like Nationals. You know, he's still sort of using these meets as sort of big training sessions. Um, it was a bit of a pre-activation in the 100. So he only ran 11.09 in the 100, which I know he wouldn't be thrilled with but got the job done there. Um, and Tom Gamble uh, visited from Queensland. Uh, Gamble, a pretty accomplished uh, sprinter um, a few years ago. Um, unfortunately, looked like he pulled up with a, with a bit of a hammy problem there. So hopefully he's not suffered too much a, of an injury there.
0: Um, so, so, we didn't hit the the times. Yeah, we did talk about this in the last podcast. So, we know that um, yeah, you know, no, Penny, to get on the, the national register, has to be sub 10.30 in the 10.49, yeah. but it was better than his uh, string of 10.54s. Yeah, he, yeah. Was he happy though? Did you have uh, a chat? I think, I think he was happier with, you know,
1: uh, competing against a guy like Jack
0: yeah i'll cross the finish line together that's got to be a pretty good feeling for him
1: yeah and, and Hale kind of joked that you know these these victorian mates are really starting to mean something as well yeah you know, he said if it was a if it was something like a shield and it was just a training run you know if, he, if he'd had that bad a start he might have just sort of cruised through but um he said you know yeah yeah,
0: he, sort of got well, he doesn't want to on. lower his, yeah. his colours, so any can't in that field now with those yeah, guys. Yeah, you know, like, you're expected like, to win. Drew so. Coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely adds a really cool competitive angle to that.
1: Um, I think it, was, it was maybe, I wouldn't say an upset, but um, it, it was an, a really strong sort of backup performance from Maddie Coates in the women's 200. They did have a two and a half metre tailwind. Uh, but she ran 23.97 um, for the win. Uh, Alana Grandane was second in 24.12. Uh, Nana I uh, was third in 24.23. Um, and then if we, we get down to the men's, I think there were going to be a couple of the men's 100-meter uh, guys We're going to back up. But I think a few of them sort of felt pretty flat after the 100 with the heat and everything. Um, so it was left to... Aaron Leffering, um, who backed up around twenty
0: one sixty four. He ran pretty well in the B uh, hundred too, didn't he?
1: Won that? Yeah, one. He ran ten eighty four. So really, he cleared out to win the hundred yeah. quite well. Um, so he he dispatched of Jacob Despard, who ran twenty one seventy six, and they were a fair ways ahead of uh, Daniel Murach, who ran twenty two thirty three for third in that one. Um, and then really the the end of meet sort of four hundreds put on quite a quite a spectacle. Um, Alexia Louise ran it. Uh, ran in for the win in 54.37, uh, taking the win against a, a very competitive Kendra Hubbard, um, who ran 54.77. Uh, I believe it might have been a bit of a PB for Elizabeth uh, Dingledye, who's usually a 400 hurdler from Sandy, she ran 55.57. Uh, and one of our mates from Mila's Club, uh, Claudia Hollingsworth, Claudia Hollingsworth, sorry, um, ran 56.56, uh, which wasn't a PB for her, but, but cool to see her just enjoying some racing weekend to weekend.
0: Um, well, that, I think that's good for Hollingsworth to step down, have a go at the four. Uh, yeah. you know, we've seen her running so well on the eight. It's you know it's essential for them to do it. Turn over strange, a bit. Like, yeah, turn them over, get quick, and um, know, yeah, come back out. Actually, she would have been an interesting dynamic in the women's eight last night. But anyway, um, mm. well, they're, they're, they're um, anyway, wasn't there
1: in the men's four hundred? Um, it was a very competitive race, run very differently by first and second places. Um, Luke Stevens took the win in forty-seven fifteen. So. He got out like there was a proverbial free beer on at the finish line. Um, so rocketed through the first 200 in that quite distinctive running style he's got where it looks quite effortless. kind of looks like he's yep. sort of sitting down in his seat a little bit, um, but you don't realise he's actually splitting, you know, probably 22 low, 21 high through 200. Um, and Ross Hine, you know, sort of runs the race the other way around, sits back and comes home quite strong, uh, here know, at 47.25 a second. Um, and Marcus Guglielmino got third in 47.87, um, which I have an outside thought um, may be a fair uh, fair personal best. So good to see him coming off his first sort of batch of pro racing um, down in Tassie where he got a few wins. Um, and yes, that was a substantial PV for him, 47.87. So Marcus uh, popping down from a previous best time of 48.98. So uh, Great, right, that's a chunk. A big, big chunk to take off in your, you know, your first sort of proper 400. Um, Daniel Mins of Doncaster in fourth in 48.07. Uh, Phil Borg having a stash there with his training partner, Gus Simpendorfer. Uh, they were 49.60 to 49.65. Uh, Daniel Morach rounding out the field in 50.56. Um, so that was a very strong men's A race and also a little nod to uh, Kyle Nicolucci. I know we haven't seen much of over the last few years with some injury problems. It was a it was a very talented 100 meter runner at sort of sixteen seventeen, uh, but I think had some persistent hamstring injuries, which has caused him to investigate 400 a little. Um, and he ran forty nine fourteen to win the B race uh, by uh, quite convincingly.
0: Cool. All right. So that was R- really. Fun, uh, yeah. Yeah, HVC, 44 events, I think, Sean, 44 races. Yeah, he's gone from strength to strength. It's there. It's arrived. That's what I said to, you know, one of our staff members after the last one. HVC's arrived. Uh, it's on the calendar. People are looking for it. There's more of them. You know, someone was saying last night there's about 10 of them during that. The course of the season, so it's on, uh, and it's giving opportunity, into what we want, you know. Because it is an interrupt it's a strange season; it's not the norm, and um, you know, like interstate travel is not what it was. And, and but the good thing is that we're developing a great stock of sprinters, and you know, with Madison Coates coming back, and you know, there is still more to come as well. Uh, it, you know, the sprints are looking decent here, which is great, and we are talking renaissance, which is nice. All right, so that's high velocity. Thanks for your coverage of that, and I hope you enjoyed your day out at Docs. Yeah, yeah oh, no, right, I, right, right. I,
1: I, I was uh, I was welcomed with open arms by the sprint community after my very sprint uh, stat-specific article during the week. So I might have to, I'll start chopping out one of those for each event group. Seems to seems to get oh, me the good books.
0: Well, we do share the love. You know, the walkers have been given their due um, sort of credit through for, for the podcast. Also, yeah, we had the the two hammer throwers on. I will watch uh,
1: anything, Tim. Um, I'm yeah. there. So, no, it was it was awesome to uh, see. Everyone seemed to have a very good
0: day down there. Oh, it's one of the things we love about athletics is diversity. And um, it's good that you're embracing more than the middle distance crowd, Mr. Whip. Um, all right. I was – while you were in Knox, I was up at the Rat. So the Ballarat hosted the uh, the Country Champs uh, and it was – it looks a great venue for countries, there's no doubt. They, they take a lot of pride uh, in, in – you know, and all of the venues do. You know, it's a big thing to host the countries because the countries is um, – it's different to most other meets because it's under 14s through to 60 pluses at the same time. It's a lot of um, – yeah, friendly rivalry, uh, club pride, all of those sort of things. But this one had some special moments too. It's, um, I was there Friday, Saturday. I missed Sunday because I just needed a day off. Um, we had Brooke Stratton there. Uh, the crowd got behind Brooke. Brooke got behind the crowd as well. So we got the clapping going for her and those sort of things. So she was in the long jump. And that comp was, um, it was special because you not only had Brooke, we also had the return of Kelly Cartwright and uh you know for the dual power olympian i think uh beijing and london and kelly just look hasn't changed <laughs> in those eight years she looks sensational i think she's had um a child maybe two i don't know uh but kelly was I, there I, I believe so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, you know, she's and she was just Kelly of old, you know, smiling, uh, crowd lover. She, you know, yet again loves the crowd too and, and it was good to see Kelly um, uh, going through with the emotions there. We also had Montana Janchenko in this comp as well, you know, really exciting prospect, the under-20 long jump uh, uh, champion from, from earlier this, or sorry, from 2020. So that was great. Long jump was great. We had Damien Birkenhead out at the um out the shot put. We had Calf Mitchell in the in the jab. We had Muchi versus Gross in the hundred. So while you know, H V C was going well down in Knox, we had Muchi and Gross in the women's hundred. Uh your reef in the high jump. 220, I'll talk a little bit more about him a bit later. We had a, an Australian record in the 5K with Felicia Burt in the T20. So I think she's T20. Um, so that was great for Felicia. You know, she's been around for so long and, gee, it was a good race. She ran about a 22nd Australian record, 21-something, I believe, and she was just solid the whole way through. But then there's all the other stories about the countries. You know, and I've been intimately involved with the countries while I did run for a country club for a, a few years. So I was competing there. And uh, you get to understand the vibe of countries. It can be a little bit different. It can be a little bit more laid back at times. And, and there are some great rivalries. Greg Hilson, South Bendigo, it was his 36th country championship, Sean. 36th for Greg. Jeez, and he's still that's fair you knock. Yeah, Greg Hilson, the builder from Bendigo, I reckon he's had to put on a few extensions to his home to, to put the trophy room or two in the house. Because Greg, every one of those, he's uh, in the 50 pluses now, I think, Greg, when he just – he's a supreme athlete too he's a great athlete you know he does the pro circuit a bit as well but um you know a bit of a bit of a market worth actually you know just evergreen and uh still competing well but 36 country champs and then you have the likes of of Terry Hicks um you know, from Eagle Hawk. You know, he'll get out there, you know, things are getting a bit tougher. He's in the sixty pluses now, Terry, and he has to drag the poor old body around for ten events at the countries, but but uh <laughs> looking great. Some of the highlight performances though that um that I'll go into. James Woods, as we mentioned earlier in the ZADAPEC, four eighty for an equal P B and he did have that one clearance at four eighty that looked like it was more like a five meter. Um so yeah mm. it was just just wonderful. So you know uh Calf Mitchell um I'll talk about her a little bit later too, but she, you know, sixty point two five in the jav. Uh, some of the other things that caught my eye were I had some really great middle. You know, and obviously I, I favour the middle distance a bit, but there was a race in the young fifteen hundred between Alec Fransky from Aubrey and uh, Johnny Neathling from Essendon. I it, I was excited, I, you know, and I do lose my shit occasionally, but this was one of the best fifteen hundred finishes I've ever seen. They are both going at each other, and Fransky is about I don't know, it looks like about a foot shorter than Niefling. You know, John John's shot up a bit and, and Alex has yet to do that. And just the turnover of the legs of this little guy out in front trying to hold Neefling off over the last 150 was just amazing. And they were just really going at it and uh, just great racing. And, and we saw a lot of that right throughout the weekend. So, you know, a great weekend. Some of the the other, you know, takeaways from it, uh, Eagle Hawk, the dominant country club, I think four years in a row now, they do have a – there's a team component of this. There's a men's championship, a women's championship and a combined. So, Eaglehawk once again the trifecta. So they won the men's. They were six hundred and fifty-six points. Next was Bendoree in four hundred and four. Chilwell third in three hundred and fifty-eight. They won the women's five hundred and thirty-three points to South Bendigo four eighty-six and Geelong Guild four seventy. And in the combined, it was Eaglehawk winning with eleven hundred eight. Sorry, one thousand one hundred eighty-nine points. Clearly ahead of South Bendigo and eight thirty-five and Geelong Guild. 30 and 754. So the team element was yeah, yet again a, a runaway streak there for, for Eagle Hawk. Uh, some of the awards, they do have individual awards. The uh, Joyce Lockyer Shield goes to the person who shows the most sportsmanship over the course of the weekend. And it went to an official. It went to Sam Graham from Eagle Hawk, a young guy. Uh, and they reckoned from what I was hearing in the um, uh, officials' rooms, he was just so enthusiastic. Uh, yeah, there was some pretty hot conditions like down at Knox over the course of the weekend and some hot days. But Sam was just awesome in the field. And a young official, they love. They take him under their wing. And uh, hopefully that's given him the passion to continue on in the sport, in that officiating sort of uh, role the stuart hunter awards were the under 16s the outstanding under 16s archie Keldo, <laughs> he was just on fire you know we see him a lot at miles you know everyone yeah you know, archie is going through that growth phase at the moment and gee he's looking like a young mottram I reckon i'm not going to try and put the the wood on him here but Jesus, archie archie has got the limbs and the the looks of a motram. he's just moving well he um put it out there in the um in the 15 he toyed around a little bit in the 3k i think that's one where he just sort of had to sit and have a kick win but he won three you know uh, three events there in the um in the under 16s and another one i'd never seen before uh won the female under 16 lucy jones from eureka another one out of the rod griffin stable tiny little tot but she is just a gun. Um, uh, really, really impressed. She won the 815 and came second in the 400, I believe. So they took out the under-16s. The Australia Day Awards, these are for the most outstanding performances. Your Reef in the high jump, 220 clearance. Came in with a best of 215, I think. His early he came in into the comp at 202, and then his first series at 202, and then you know, maybe around 28 or something like that. Just straight over the bar, easy, and I think first up clearance maybe at two fifteen, which was the equal PB. Had the crowd absolutely going crazy because he then cleared the two twenty. Uh, had a couple of goes at two twenty five, near miss on those. But your Reef, and you know a bit about him, young young Sudanese kid, probably only trains twice a week, pretty relaxed. You know, but
1: <laughs> to, to his in his defence, um, he's made a huge jump over the last couple of seasons um, with Paul Cleary, um, and I know. Paul's probably been the the perfect personality to to keep um, to keep all coming back to the track. Um,
0: yeah, and I, I was watching the was... dynamic between them during the comp, and it really is a great dynamic. You know, Paul's on the sidelines there, just genium him up and and having a few little yeah. barbs at him as well. Oh, if only you train more than twice a week, you might go higher. <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, it
1: was really fun. Yeah. yeah, I think UL's doing a pretty good job of. Um, he's got a, a pretty full full on job now with some uh, some landscaping, but um, yeah, clearly keeps him. Keeps him coming down to Lamberis. So, um, yeah, I think you know he's a guy that's not far off, you know, really being in contention um, at Nationals as sort of that, that guy that's just keeping, you know, obviously Stark and Baden and those guys have much higher PBs, but, you know, he's, he's almost like the next guy in line. Um, you know, yeah, sort of he is. He's like the Myers and those sorts of young, that next group coming through.
0: Uh, if he does states, I reckon listeners, have a look out for when the men's high is scheduled and get out and watch him. He's it, it, a pleasure to watch, Sean, because he's got this really laconic lead in. He just sort of has <laughs> a few walking steps. Then he motors in. Then he looks like he's stuffed it right up. But suddenly this little flick of the, the heels at the very end and he's cleared and he's over. And it's beautiful. It's, it really is good to watch. So, yeah, by all means, if you get a chance to to watch Yuval Reef, get out and watch him. He's uh, he's great. Uh, Kath Mitchell she took out the female Australia day award 6025 in the jab we didn't get to see a lot you know because yet again there's a lot going on at the countries and um, I was watching a few of the throws and they did look good but we didn't really get to do the coverage like we did with Brooke with go Brooke and and Kelly uh, and and the rest of the long jump is quite a bit of love out there um, you know sort of calling the jumps as they went through um, what else happened I think that's about it but it was actually another one I want to I want to mention a little bit of a shout out to Zach Norton I was in the you know it was a long day on on Saturday, it started <laughs> at nine, finished um, with the ten k's at about oh god, I don't know, about 10 o'clock. And uh, at the end of the night, young Zach Norton from um, Geelong Guild, lovely kid. You know, we we're watching him through Miles Club. You know, one of the upcomers. I think he's with Watto's group down at uh, down at Geelong. He came into the officials' room and thanked all the officials for the work and the long day they'd had. You know, class, class. So. Um, yeah really good to see. so well done Zach, on just showing that little bit of maturity to to go in after a very long hot day inside of the officials. We do appreciate what you do because it is excellent because it's uh, often you know they're at the end of uh, barbed comments but the officials work as we know to work hard and we saw that again at satpec so so good country champs and um yeah just uh, let it live forever it's a it is a great product and it's a, a really really um you know. A Pleasure to be there, and we, you know, because of HTC, not as many metro athletes, but um, then again, we do need them in times up there because otherwise, fields would be that little bit uh, not as deep. So, you know, if anyone wants to have a run on a three day carnival, then the country's is, is a good place to be. All right, Sean, that's our coverage, that's our podcast episode 50, 52. Um, any final passing comments? <laughs>
1: I did notice quietly at, at Vic Countries that that was actually a personal best, I think, for Celeste Murchie in the 100s. So interesting to see how, you know, that, I guess, another narrative in, in the women's 100 metre hurdles uh, continues to develop uh, over the years. I think it was um, Hannah Jones, um, who I hadn't heard a lot about, um, is, a, is a Queensland hurdler, being coached by uh, the great Sally Pearson. I think she ran sort of 13 12 or 13 11 odd for a big PB and, and beat uh, Michelle Jenicki up in Queensland the other week. Um, so, yeah, obviously yep. Jackie coming back off injury, whereas Jones is sort of in, in really good shape at the moment. So, you know, a couple of players queuing up um, in that event too. So, um, yeah, curious to uh, to see how that all gets on.
0: Excellent. All right, so it's been big. We'll come back uh, probably next week or the week after and we are desperately trying to line up Anabasic for the next podcast <laughs> and we might have yeah, a surprise game Oh, it's always, yeah, can be tricky. That's the world of podcasting. But uh, Sean, thanks for your insights. Thanks for your depth of knowledge once again. And um, as I said, great Zatapec, HVC rocking and rolling, country championships, a gem of a product, as always. All right. So thanks for your time, Sean. That's episode 52. Thanks, Tim.